Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Mojo comes great responsibility. Mojo five zero. And crown thy good with brotherhood from sea to shining sea. American Radio. Radio. News, opinion, and a little irreverence from both sides of the 49th parallel. This is American Radio with Mike Phillip. Welcome back to American Knock Radio, everybody. This is Mike Phillip back uh, with my batteries charged from a much-needed holiday. I went down to Banff, Alberta for a few days, spent some time with my family and uh, running around in the mountains looking at uh, nature in all its glory. And uh, it was great. You need to do that once in a while, and I haven't had a holiday in a really long time. First of all, I've got to give a big uh, thank you to my good friend, Dr. Peter Glidden, 30-year practicing naturopath. And uh, if you head over to AmericanUckRadio.com, that's AmericanUckRadio.com, you can click the banner ad at the top with a picture of his very handsome face and uh, subscribe for $30 a month to get uh, a massive amount of information on holistic and natural healing so that you can do it at home without going running to the doctor every time you get a sniffle. And if you think that you know everything about natural healing without having 30 years experience, scientifical, uh, scientifical, I just made up a word, scientific training, clinically verified, actual knowledge, uh, you're, you're, if you're trying it on your own without that, it's like practicing your own dentistry. You wouldn't give yourself a root canal. Go to the expert, find out how to do it right, and get it good. If you, Next to that is a banner ad with Justin Trudeau instructing you not to uh, go in, into our uh, merch page and buy a T-shirt or a coffee cup. All of these things support this show. It is listener-supported. Really glad to be back on Mojo Five O Radio Network and WBN three two four, kicking it live over in faggy old London. Sorry, foggy, foggy. And I say that word a lot, not out of disrespect for fags, but because it's funny. Now we've got a great show lined up for you today. General Paul Vallely is going to be on in the second segment to talk about Syria, the war against the deep state. Uh, we've got questions about Q, the Ukraine. Um, 
Now, listen, big thank you to everybody that uh, put out the last interview that we had. Uh, PatriotSoapbox.com did a really great job of writing an article, and it kind of took on a life of its own. Now, I'm going to say this once, and I'm never going to speak about it again. All of you out there, uh, and there's not many, just a few, Talking about General Valilee having worked on a project with Michael Aquino, and therefore you know that he's a Satanist. You're you don't know what you're talking about. It's clickbait, and I'm not. And I've made the decision that uh, I'm not going to bring it up in the uh, interview today because it's bunk. He he did work on a project with him. He sent me uh, a release that both of them had put out. Uh, the Army was concerned that Doc, uh, Michael Aquino was recruiting people for his satanic church. He, they tasked General Valley to look into it. He did and passed all the information on to the Army's lawyers. But there was no crime committed. Okay? It is not a crime to believe what you want under the Constitution of the United States of America. All right? Now, if they can make it illegal to be a Satanist... They can make it illegal to be a Christian, a Mormon, or Jehovah's Witness. Now, I don't like Catholicism, all right? General Valilee is a Catholic. Does that mean that I'm going to shut him down and not listen to his information? Because, oh, sorry, we have a different view of the afterlife. No, you know why? Because that's stupid. I don't believe in Mormonism or Jehovah's Witness doctrine either, but I know and respect and have a huge amount of uh, appreciation for people of those faiths. Now, that is all that is going to be said on that matter. If you want to make an issue out of it where there isn't an issue, you go right ahead. And you know what? You'll get some clicks, but that's all. Now, in the culture war, John Schneider's putting out a new show about the Dukes of Hazard that's going to have the uh, Confederate flag on the car. Oh, no, Confederate flag. Hey, you know the Canadian flag, that one with the uh, big red maple leaf and the red bars on the sides? That's a Confederate flag, jackass. We've also got news on the Wexit front. Justin Trudeau is going to be working with the CBC and Facebook to shut down talk of quote-unquote separatism. Isn't that interesting? Somebody wants to break away from a nationality, something that they claim they're against. They're against uh, nationalism, right? Nationalism is bad. Canada is the first post-national nation. Oh, but you don't get to walk away from that confederation because if you talk about that, you're bad. You see the twisted mental logic there? Also, Epstein, uh, turns out, looks like he was murdered. Interesting timing on that story. That's what I want to talk about. New study showing that women are not as funny as men. Uh, I've always suspected that to be the case. But there are some very good reasons why. Let's launch this show, everybody. American Radio. Radio. I love it. My girlfriend loves it. Even my dog loves it. I love you. Oh, my God. American Radio. We love you. That's all I listen to. American Radio. Sounds like a party, baby. Holy Moses, king of the Jews, bought his wife a pair of shoes. And when those shoes began to swear, (laughs) began to wear, sorry. See, I screwed up the joke. When those shoes began to wear, Holy Moses began to swear. Well, now, uh, that was one of those stupid little rhymes that people used to say when I was about fourth grade and people thought it was hilarious. 
And then it kind of died out after a while. I'm bringing it back, baby. Turns out Nike's made a way that you can walk on water. I'll tell you what, if Eddie Money could walk on water right now, I would believe in him because he's currently being eaten by worms. No disrespect there, Eddie. Nike has a pair of, uh, they call them the Air Max 97 MSCHF INRI Jesus Shoes. That's right. Now, when I first saw this, I thought this has got to be some kind of a Kanye West thing. Right? Nope. It's an actual Nike thing. Now, these shoes, you're not going to believe this, okay? $2,552 for a pair of shoes that look like something you would wear if you worked in a hospital. Now, the only difference, uh, why are they so much? Why two and a half grand for a pair of shoes? Because each pair comes with 60 cc's of holy water from the river jordan wow yeah right in the sole of the shoe and a little cheap metal crucifix that looks like it was made in china on the top other than that just looks like an ugly white pair of shoes this you know what this reminds me of i mean we all know it's a marketing gimmick and you know kanye west is making jesus cool again right easy and so Nike jumps on board, right? The executives at Nike have all uh, asked Jesus into their heart. They're Christians now. And for only two and a half grand, you too can show your faith. This reminds me of indulgences. Remember when the Vatican, well, you wouldn't remember when they were, but I mean, uh, they were selling indulgences. And that was part of the reason for the, uh, the Reformation indulgences. I can absolve any sin. I can even save the soul of the man who violates the mother of God herself. Wow, that's quite a claim. But that's what it reminds me of. And and listen, okay, so you've got 60 cc's of holy water from the River Jordan underneath your feet. Uh, what's the play here? What does that get you? Does that make you immune to demonic attack coming out of the sidewalk and entering your body through the sidewalk? Right? I mean, listen, the whole concept of holy water always evaded me, right? Because, I'll tell you why, if a priest can bless water and then make it holy, isn't the human body about 80% water anyways? Why not just bless that water and then you don't have to sprinkle it on yourself or drink it? It's a fair point, you've got to admit. $2,500 and you can walk literally on holy water. It's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> do, do you get the uh, the impression that I'm a little bit cynical? Maybe. Maybe I am. Uh, Justin Trudeau. Let's talk about some Wexit news here over in Alberta. <laughs> Radio. 
I have it in Alberta where they got all hell for a basement. That song is about Medicine Hat, which is a, a town that I lived in a, for a few years. Beautiful city, Medicine Hat. God's country, really. Uh, which is anywhere you walk if you've got a $2,500 pair of Nike shoes. So, after the election of Justin Trudeau, we've talked about this before. I've had the leader of the Wexit or Western Exit Party on, Peter Downing. Um, the West was really angry. Now, Canada, like I said, is not actually a country. It is a confederation, okay? The Canadian flag is a confederate flag. Now, here's the deal. The province of Quebec has always been uh, all about their culture being separate and distinct from the rest of Canada. In fact, they actually have a party, a federal party in Canada that runs on the premise of separating and forming their own country, which is widely accepted in federal circles that they can do that. In fact, there was actually a court case where the Supreme Court of Canada ruled that any province could uh, cut ties with the federal government anytime they want as long as it's, uh, you know, based on the opinion of their citizens. Right? Democratically. So, Quebec, in this last election, the, uh, the separatist party, Bloc Quebecois, actually walked away with most of Quebec, right? Now, they have introduced laws where new immigrants coming into Quebec have to pass a citizenship and values test. That sounds pretty uh that sounds pretty nationalistic, doesn't it? Right? Sounds like those evil white supremacist male nationalists that Justin Trudeau and the federal liberals are always going on about. Only they don't say that about Quebec. Right? They do, however, about Alberta. Justin Trudeau came out and said that Canada is the first post-national nation. What's the translation on that? It's not actually a country. We don't have our own culture. Well, I'll tell you what. You know what the culture here is? It's what I say it is where I am because I am the culture and so are you. Never let anybody tell you what your culture is. You are the culture. And if they can take that and arrest it for their own purposes and dictate it to you, well, then you have no individuality, right? Are you going to let a bunch of dipshits 3,000 miles away tell you what your culture is? Is Idaho supposed to be lockstep to people in Washington, D.C. and Maryland? Right? Does Texas have to be lockstep with the rest of the nation? No. Now, that's a double-edged sword. It can serve to unite or it can serve to divide. Now, in the case of Canada, it has really served to divide. And it's been said that if liberals had no double standards, they would have no standards at all. That's really true in this case. In a big way. Alberta's bad for wanting to go their own way and stop getting ripped off by... Canada's a big rip-off, by the way. And it's a stupid country. Right? It's a silly place. Canadians are taught from birth that you are only as Canadian as anti-USA as you are. Well, at the same time, the U.S. is 90% of our gross domestic product. Okay? 
We wouldn't have an economy without the United States of America. And furthermore, we are too close in culture and proximity to smash that bond. Now, the land and the people, majority speaking, love the United States of America. They love Americans like brothers. But there's that segment that like to look over the fence like the fat neighbor in a Hawaiian shirt saying, oh, looks like America has a discipline problem. They'll strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. But that's the situation. If you are for the West cutting all ties with this stupid thing called Canada that doesn't even really exist in all actuality, you're a bad white nationalist. If you're in Quebec, which, by the way, are considered the dirty hillbillies of Frenchmen, people in France do not respect Quebecers at all. They don't like the way they talk. They don't like anything about them, and they don't want anything to do with them. But it's okay for them to shout from the rooftops that they need to separate from Canada. So what does Canada do? Takes money from the West and gives it to Quebec in order to keep them in this confederation, right? So what do they do? They keep pushing separation. Now, one way they're really smart to do that because they're getting paid to stay, right? Squeaky wheel gets the grease and so forth. Well, separation, wax it. It's time has come. And indeed, there's a whole uh, litany of people out there saying that there's actually nothing to separate from. You can't have a divorce where there was never a marriage in the first place. Peyton Smith over in the MeWe chat just quoted that. It was said by a backbench MP, but blah, blah, blah. You don't need a Canadian history lesson. Needless to say, the government in Canada, to all my listeners in the United States of America, is every bit as much the swamp as the U.S. government that Donald John Trump is fighting to take down. Now, I mentioned that uh, Jeffrey Epstein, it has now been said, well, let's, let's listen to a little bit of this Fox report with the coroner this morning here. It has been nearly three months since the death of American financier and alleged sex trafficker Jeffrey Epstein. His death ruled a suicide here in New York back in August. Our next guest was tapped by Epstein's team to observe the autopsy and is here to reveal the findings from his investigation. All right, joining us right now, former New York City medical examiner, Dr. Michael Bodden. He's a- I'm going to pause it right there. I was watching Lionel a little bit this morning, and he's claiming that they're friends going way back. This guy's the real deal, and he's not a swamp creature. He's not beholden to anybody. He's not bought off. He's an actual coroner pathologist doing his job. Let's hear what he has to say a little bit. I won't get too much into this. Forensic pathologist, Fox News contributor, and joins us right now for an exclusive interview. Uh, Dr. Bodden, thanks for being here. Hey, good morning. Good morning. When did you realize uh, that the Epstein family needed help? Well, I was asked by the brother, the next of kin, to be at the autopsy. Mm -hmm. And at the autopsy on day one, there were findings that were unusual for suicidal hanging and more consistent with uh, ligature homicidal strangulation, which included... And it was suggested at the time that he committed suicide by doing what? By by hanging. We uh, all know the the story. He was found allegedly hanging by uh, a... Strangulation. Strangulation, right? He did not commit suicide. Now, everybody always suspected and knew this, okay? 
Everybody knew. It's been said over and over again. I've seen people posting memes in my chat room the whole time. What I find significant about this is why now? Why would that information come out now? Especially when tomorrow the vote on impeachment, whether to proceed or not, is going out. Eh? You see where I'm going with that? Sounds like a message to somebody, to me. It really does. Can I say that for certain? No. I think it'll come out in time, though. Women aren't as funny as men, by the way. American Radio. Yeah, that's right. You heard me right. Uh, I think I figured out the reason the Jen show is so unfunny. <laughs> New studies found the women aren't as funny as men. I know, hard to believe. Study published by the Journal of Research and Personality. Oh, hey, I got to crank this. All right, let's fade that out. Study published by the Journal of Research and Personality asked subjects to write a funny caption for a cartoon that was then judged by a panel of judges. Researchers found that 63% of men were deemed to be funnier than the average woman. I've always thought this myself, to be quite honest with you. I find that women comedians tend to overcompensate on being gross just for the case of being disgusting. Just for the sake of it, right? The study included over 5,500 participants, 67% of whom were women. Huh? Eliminating and, in fact, overcompensating for any potential gender bias. Well, I mean, that's gender bias right there. It also involved a third-party evaluation of the subjects by anyone who's not aware of the subject's gender. It means that, to the best of our knowledge... By the way, you can find this over at AmericanUckRadio.com. Big thanks to our web guy and staff writer, Peyton J. Smith. It means that, to the best of our knowledge... On average, men appear to have higher humor production ability. <laughs> humor production ability than women, said Gilles Greengross, an evolutionary psychologist at Aberystwyth University in Wales. She also noted that a great sense of humor was one of the signals of mate quality when it comes to females choosing a man. And that's, I think, why humor is being destroyed in the culture war here in North America. Right? Think about it. Toxic masculinity turns out is humor. Humor is strongly correlated with intelligence. <laughs> Did they just say that men are smarter than women? That's, that's what this article just said. And that's a woman quoting this, right? Which explains why women value men with a great sense of humor as intelligence was crucial for survival throughout our evolutionary history when we mostly lived in hunter-gatherer groups, said a woman, Greengross. And so all the comedians over time that pointed this fact out and made fun of things that their wife or girlfriend does were right. And make no mistake about it, we are in a culture war with people trying to ban things, cherished childhood memories like... Uh, Oh, like the Dukes of Hazard, for instance. Just a good old boy. Wouldn't change if they could. 
system like a two modern day Robin Hood. So, turns out that uh, the actors, the John Schneider, there was Bo Duke in the series, which ran over seven seasons from 1979. I was four years old, by the way. To 1985, as well as the 2000 made-for-TV movie, The Dukes of Hazard in Hollywood, has since created what he calls a tribute to the legacy he admires, an independent film developed by Schneider's studio titled Christmas Cars. Now, this doesn't sound very important on its sur- for surface, right? But what it looks like to me is a shot back in the culture war. Because they look to destroy your culture, your memories. And what was it with the Dukes of Hazard? Well, they bowed their head and prayed before they ate dinner. Uncle Jesse was an honorable guy. Daisy wasn't a slut. The Duke boys were hell raisers, but they weren't bad guys. And the cops were bumbling, corrupt idiots. With that little fiefdom with Boss Hog. Well, in this new uh, Christmas cards by John Schneider, the vehicle is going to have the Confederate flag on top. Now, the Confederate flag has been painted as racist, but has nothing to do with it. And if you think it does, read a book coming right up. General Paul Vallelee from the America First Foundation with some incredible inside information. Stick around, everybody. We'll be back after this break on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. Hi, it's Doc Thompson for Matthew 25 Ministries. Matthew 25 Ministries is one of the few charities I'll actually endorse because I know them. I've worked with them, and I know almost all of the money that you donate goes to help people. Go to m25m.org, m25m.org. Rates based on a man age 42 with no tobacco use of any form for 20 years. Policy number 25. Policy underwritten by various life insurance companies. Premium includes a $50 policy fee. Rates and underwriting criteria subject to change at any time. Not available in some states. You've heard those term life insurance ads with their rates read very low. And at the end, they have a long disclaimer read extremely fast. Why? Because most people like us will never qualify for those rates. It's just a way to get you to call. Listen, at the term lifeline, we'll never quote you a low rate hoping you'll call. Then try to sell you something else. But we do promise to get you the best rates of available on policies of $500,000 or more with professional service. Don't waste your valuable time. Get the real rates you want on term life insurance policies of $500,000 or more from the Term Lifeline. Call now. 866-521-TERM. 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 That's 866-521-8376. Rusty, stop bouncing your knee. You're shaking the floor. What are you talking about, Leroy? I'm just sitting here. That's not me. Well, what's vibrating the floor? Coffee! Coffee, coffee, coffee! I love American Bread Roasters coffee! Chris, how much coffee have you had, man? I can see sounds. Be right back. Order today and you can get our once-in-a-lifetime, everyday low price. AmericanPrideRoasters.com. That's AmericanPrideRoasters.com. Having an extra supply of food on hand is just smart. Some people call it prepping. I call it smart. You never know what's going to happen in this world. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. You'll find out a lot of good reasons to have that food and some great prices. MyPatriotSupply.com. Radio. 
Welcome back to American Knock Radio, everybody. Segment two, and I tell you what, I've been chomping at the bit to get to this segment because we've got a man that I deeply respect, and uh, I listen to the words that he has to say, and you should too, General Paul Vallelee of the America First Foundation. This guy has got information and access to it that you do not. You would do well to listen to what this man has to say. There's a whole lot of speculation going on on the Internet, and hopefully General Vallelee can clear some of it up regarding the war against the deep state, Operation Red October, Q. All of these things come together. General Vallelee, welcome back to American Uck Radio. Well, thank you, Mike. Happy to be back with you again. Yes, sir. Now, uh, we've got only one segment and uh, about 25, 26 minutes to go here, so let's cut right to it. I want to talk, first of all, about Syria. Uh, I've got a lot of questions coming in regarding Syria and what's going on there right now. Uh, Just let everybody know about your incursion into Syria at 72 years old with 400 men. Uh, What exactly did you guys find on that trip, sir? Well, I was invited in uh, by a group that had broken away from the Assad government. At that time, it was the Free Syrian Army. So uh, I met them in southern Turkey, the leaders, about eight generals, uh, 40 of the leaders of the Free Syrian Army. And at that time, they had not morphed into al-Qaeda or ISIS. They were purely members of the government that had defected from Assad and trying to form a new government. So uh, I went into Aleppo uh, at that time, but I got a good feel for the area. And I went back in 2013, uh, of course, and had been in Istanbul with meetings uh, with other groups. So had a pretty good uh, knowledge of that whole area in northeast Syria. Uh, and, of course, that's why a lot of people come to me now, even in Washington, ask me what my opinion is on the latest situation there. What are your thoughts on President Trump uh, talking about pulling U.S. troops out of there? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, uh, from a military standpoint, uh, he's not pulling them out. He's repositioning our troops there. We're going to leave some there to guard the oil fields. But really, it's not our war between the Turks uh, and the Kurds. Uh, uh, and then you got the uh, Syrian National Army uh, under the Syrian government. Uh, they need to work that out. And like I've told a lot of people, uh, we've had five body bags come back from the Middle East uh, in the last month. And I don't want to see one more body bag of an American serviceman coming back uh, to the United States. Because it's really not our war. So I back the president. He knows what he's doing. Uh, But we have uh, plenty of assets uh, in that area. Uh, Marines, Air Force. uh, We have our fleets in the Persian Gulf area, Arabian Sea, as well as the Mediterranean. We have Interlake Air Force Base in Turkey. We have Joint Operation Forces in Iraq and in Jordan. So uh, we can hit any target uh, 24 hours a day, anywhere, if we have to. Probably within like two minutes. Go ahead. I said probably within two minutes. Yes, absolutely. Yes, sir. So, so you, you mentioned the body bags coming back. Uh, we did not see body bags coming back from this recent operation to take out al-Baghdadi. Now, uh, this might be something that you and the American First Foundation have intel on with the Northern Virginia Army. You might not, but a lot of people are asking the question, 
Uh, President Trump came out and said that he did not advise Pelosi and Schiff and all these other people of the operation going forward. And he made it clear that the reason for it was because most likely it would have leaked and uh, they would have been tipped off and there would have been an ambush and Americans would have been killed. Now, this operation went off as smooth as silk from what they're saying. Uh, do you, it, a lot of people are speculating that members of the DNC or the swamp were feeding information to ISIS in the region, indeed funding them and created them and arming them under the Obama regime. And uh, they're thinking that some of the intel might point fingers right back to this DNC. And uh, a few members, uh, the, you know, your Pelosi's and whatnot, went over to the area right before the strike took place. People are speculating that they were sending messages to them, and that's what led the U.S. forces to the location of al-Baghdadi. Do you know anything about that? Has any of that information come to no. the America First Foundation? Uh, I'm just going to leave that with you. Go ahead, General. Well, there's two parts to it. First of all, you can't tell members of Congress about a covert operation because the staffers and, you know, they'll leak it. Yeah. And this has to be a surprise covert operation when you do these things. And it's under the purview of the president of the United States to go forth with that. Uh, so uh, that's uh, kept in a tight security mode uh, at the Pentagon and in the White House. So uh, that, that's why it's done that way. But uh, those individuals going over uh, into that area uh <laughs> would have no impact on what president uh, decides to do. No, but at the same time, a lot of people are speculating that a lot of their traditional channels of information have been cut off. And if that they were going to pass along money or information or anything like that, they couldn't do it from the continental United States without being picked up by the intelligence services, you know, the DOJ, the FBI, the CIA. And that is the, now this, that's my point. Is is this speculation or a, a possibility in your mind's eye? Speculation, because uh, a tight covert operation is strictly run uh, through the command and control centers, uh, the one we have in Jordan, uh, also in Interlick, uh, and also uh, in Iraq. And so those command and control centers have very highly talented intelligence officers and, of course, the Delta Force has their own intelligence force that coordinates with the command centers. Now, that goes back directly to Central Command in Tampa, Florida, and uh, to the Pentagon. The Central Command is uh, responsible for the Middle East. So we have a four-star general uh, that's running that operation. And then he reports to the Joint Chiefs of Staff and then to the White House. So uh, that's all really confined, very restricted as far as... Uh, information on any pending operation which may put our soldiers in jeopardy and uh, we have enough leaks coming out of the out of the administration uh, in the deep swamp still but you can't trust anybody in congress other than a few that could be told about a covert operation because it would leak out and then that eliminates the element of surprise which is very important in a covert operation and could get keep people killed absolutely Yes, sir. All right. We'll leave that at that. Uh, is there, while we're on the topic, is there anything else about Syria right now that is important in your mind's eye, or does that pretty much cover it? No, uh, the chessboard is at play over there uh, with competing elements uh, like Iran 
of influencing many of the operations and what's going on in government uh, inside Iraq. You've got uh, the Kurds in uh, northern Iran, the Kurds in uh, uh, Kurdistan, northern Iraq, Kurds, almost two million Kurds in southern uh, Turkey, as well as a million and a half refugees from Syria. Uh, and then, of course, you have Damascus, you have Russia, <laughs> you got Erdogan in Turkey. And uh, so the political uh, situation there between these countries to solve the problem, as I said, it's not our fight, it's their fight. And it's not of any national security interest to the United States, other than perhaps the oil fields. Uh, a lot of people have, uh, you know, very publicly stated, and, and I've always thought this myself, too. Why is Turkey a member of NATO? Is it because they of their military power? But uh, or I mean, you know, is it is it more to keep them in check or to have a adversary to Russia in their backyard? Uh, a lot of people see Erdogan as an enemy. Now, with the U.S. kind of pulling back and letting them resolve their own differences, uh, Erdogan has struck a more conciliatory tone towards the Western world, but there was a time when he was threatening to open up the floodgates of immigration to Europe if he did not get his way. Do you see Erdogan as a friend or foe, and does Turkey belong in NATO? Your opinion, General? Well, they are in NATO. Uh, they were put there because they are the most powerful uh, military force uh, in that area of the Middle East, and as you know, uh, uh, northwest uh, Turkey is primarily it's very European, whereas you Cross the Bosphorus, and then you get down into a more Muslim Islamic area. So Turkish is a mix uh, of both, but they're very critical uh, as the linchpin between Europe uh, and I would say the Middle East. Uh, Erdogan is moving Turkey more to an Islamic uh, form of, uh, um, I won't say a government, becoming more Islamic, and that's not setting well with a lot of people uh, that would be in uh, northwestern Turkey. But he's playing both sides against the middle, uh, Russia against the United States. He's very clever. And from that standpoint, uh, but we have to deal with those people, and that's what Trump is good at. He's dealing directly with the Chinese, directly with Putin, uh, dealing directly with North Korea. And that's the way to do it. We have not had a president that's ever done it this way, and that's why uh, – He's being very successful, and he's you know he's two weeks ahead of about everybody else in Washington, and uh, strategically he understands it. But we don't have a lot of the generals and admirals anymore that are really uh, what I call uh, uh, great strategists. They've become so political, and uh, but that's why the buck ends at, uh, right there in the White House, and he knows that, and he's going to do what uh, he's promised the American people. And that's to get us out of the Middle East. It's not our wars anymore. No, I mean, anymore. And it never really was, in, in my mind's eye. No, I, it was, that, yeah, more of a money that's maker. Correct. Yeah. So I had a question posed by the good people over at PatriotSoapbox.com. Great website. Uh, there was a Bloomberg, ar Bloomberg article, Army lets slip that it's conducting secret, secret operations around Washington, D.C. A little bit of the article here. The Pentagon revealed a few details about a secret Army mission that has Black Hawk helicopters flying missions over the Washington, D.C. area, backed by active duty and reserve soldiers. A lot of people are... Again, speculating on this, which the Internet is good for. Uh, do you have any intel that you can share with our listening audience about that operation and what's actually going on? I mean, it's secret, 
So obviously you can't let out too much, but uh, is there anything that you can say about it? Well, usually when you see that in the Washington area, they're running exercises and using our joint forces there. Uh, we have a, a sizable force at Fort Meyer and Fort uh, Belvoir, just south of uh, Washington. We have Fort Meade, just north of Washington. So we have a lot of military uh, organizations and units that are within, say, 100, 150 miles of Washington, D.C., and they do run exercises. Uh, they primarily to do that for readiness and to ensure that if there was any attack on our capital, we would have the reactionary forces in the air and on the ground to take care of that. So uh, that's probably what people are seeing. Since I live in the woods in Montana, I don't get to view that anymore. <laughs> you probably had a hand in it at one time, several times over, actually, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. So it looks like Mike Flynn is going to be let off the hook, uh, the hook here. It looks like Lisa Page forged uh, documents as far as his prosecution went. What do you know about that? Have you spoken to him? No, but Sidney Powell uh, is his lawyer now, and she will get him off, and uh, they'll prove that he didn't lie, that he was set up by the corrupt FBI at the at time under Comey, who we know is a corrupt individual. And uh, I don't know Mike that well. He's much younger than I am, but I did talk to him before he went to Russia because I had been there two months before him in Moscow. Uh, and uh, from that standpoint, uh, that's when he came back, joined the Trump campaign, and uh, obviously, Obama team with Brennan and Comey were after him to put something on him, and that's exactly what they did. So, uh, we're very happy that Mike hopefully will be free of all of these charges that were laid against him. What are your thoughts on your your peers or your colleagues or counterparts in the Russian military? Give us, a, you know, we we talk about it, we speculated. A lot of people. Uh, full of bravado, say the U.S. could whoop Russia's ass in a war, conventionally speaking. Are they actually uh, depleted since the fall of the Soviet Union, or is the Russian army something that we never, ever want to tangle with because it would be bad? You know better than most people. What are your thoughts on that? Well, we're not going to tangle with them because Russia doesn't want a war. Uh, but uh, from that standpoint, they've made great progress in the last five years uh, as well as China, of upgrading their uh, aircraft, their their ships, their uh, spetsnaz, which is their special operation forces. Uh, they've developed some great ground mobility vehicles, uh, newer tanks, newer carriers. And so uh, they've trained to that, but they're very, very good. The spetsnaz, their special forces, are very, very good. They have a good intel set up. And, of course, uh, uh, they're they're looking now to do things in space, uh, uh, for defense and for offensive operations as need be as China is. So they've greatly improved. Uh, they are a formidable force, but the United States has the most formidable force in the world. I completely agree with that. Now, now down the same channel, what about the Chinese Army and the recent upgrades they've made? Would they be, I mean, they don't really have much of a Navy. They're building this One Belt, One Road project. Uh, they have, in sheer manpower, they're humongous, of course, but. Uh, what would be the biggest threat coming from China in a toe-to-toe war, uh, conventionally speaking? Well, actually, they have a very well-developed Navy now, introducing new aircraft carriers, uh, new fighters. Uh, again, uh, they've upgraded their ground capability. Uh, they're very sizable. But uh, uh, where's China going to fight? I mean, nobody's going to have a land battle in China. Nobody's going to have a land battle in Europe anymore. 
Uh, anything that would be in the future would be cyber. Uh, it would be missiles, rockets, uh, aircraft, that kind of a thing. Right. So uh, the, the, there'll, not, there'll not be a World War II type situation. Again, it'll be very advanced if anything happens because when you look at Russia and you look at China, they've developed and improved their nuclear delivery program. Uh, they've improved their missiles, anti-missile uh, systems. Uh, the S-400 that they just sold Turkey, by the way, is a very good system. Some say it's better than the systems that we have. So uh, they've moved along. They're formidable. But, you know, Russia is not that large. You know, it's only, what, 135 million people, which is one-third the size of the United States, uh, and very spread out, mostly concentrated uh, in western Russia as far as the populations are concerned. But uh, they're a formidable force. There's no doubt about it. But uh, that's why it's important that Trump and uh, Putin meet again because they can solve a lot of the problems where you have a uh, diminishing uh, capability in the European countries. Uh, and that's the biggest problem and we could in NATO right now. Very interesting. Let's skip over to the Ukraine. Uh, you had sent me some intel from your informant over there. Could you get into that? Boy, that's a uh, that's a ticklish situation. Uh, I, I was introduced to a gentleman. Uh, actually, he's French, but he works out of Moscow. Uh, and he knows the Ukraine because he's worked in, in business uh, ventures in Ukraine. And he told me three years ago uh, what a corrupt uh, government and hierarchy they have in Ukraine. And that uh, Putin, in fact, was right in taking Crimea and part of when he went incurred into uh, uh, eastern Ukraine, where the majority of the population were Russians. Well, can I just uh, interject so that Crimea held a referendum on it and they wanted to be part of Russia, but our media over here would just have everybody believe that Putin jackbooted in there and took it over. But Sorry, go ahead, General. Well, no, it's a good point, Mike. That's exactly what happened because the people in Crimea knew how corrupt they were, and they couldn't. the Russians could not put at risk the Black Sea Fleet, which is based out of Crimea. Uh, but anyhow, uh, uh, the latest news is that uh, Zelensky, the president, uh, is towing a fine line over there now, and this Azov group uh, is a very powerful group uh, uh, that have threatened if, if they do an investigation against Biden and the Clintons, that uh, he could well be assassinated. Uh, but uh, you got to remember the, the corruption came in the, during the Obama campaign and Biden and not with Trump. Trump is just following up on trying to clean that mess up over there. And to uh, and if it implicates uh, Biden and his son, uh, so be it. But he's not doing it uh, because uh, Biden's a political candidate. He's doing it because there, there probably were some very serious violations by uh, uh, Biden, by the Biden family, father and son. Yeah, and the way the media, well, and I mean this whole premise that uh, we need to impeach the president based on the whole Ukraine situation, to me, makes Biden look guilty as hell, especially with what you're saying. Now, this Azov group that you you named there are actual nazi groups in uh the ukraine going back to world war ii they're not respected by the german or you know actual area nation nazis there's considered much and they kept the whole thing going over there 
Uh, we've got pictures of Justin Trudeau with the leader of these Nazi groups over in uh, at the UN and John Claude Juncker with him. Is that the same people? Yes, it is. And they're growing, they're recruiting, uh, they're very militant. Uh, and so uh, that's what Zelensky, the president over there, is faced with this group. Uh, and they, uh, uh, they're much uh, likened to a uh, Ukrainian mafia, if I could use that term. But they're very militant and Nazi-oriented and, uh, uh, from that standpoint, very dangerous. Wasn't it interesting that U.S. media would have you believe that anybody that's a Trump supporter is a Nazi? And here is Zelensky working with President Trump to uncover corruption in the U.S. government, being threatened by actual, honest-to-God Nazis and not a word. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's insane. And I'm the first one to bring this information back, uh, and I presented it to, to the White House, so we'll see how they deal with it. But uh, Zelensky over there is in a very delicate position, so... Keep a watch uh, on what happens there in the Ukrainian government, especially if these investigations go forward. Sounds like a hot spot. Uh, you were in PSYOPs for about 15 years, is that correct? Well, I was in special operations for 20 years. I started out as a Army Ranger in special ops uh, as a lieutenant. So I've been around the special ops field uh, since 1962. Uh, but then I was appointed by... Uh, uh, President Reagan, when he made special ops a uh, separate service under a four-star general, I helped organize and put that together. I was also the recommended uh, first assistant secretary of defense for special operations. <laughs> but they ended up putting a politician in a, uh, an ambassador who just came back from Cambodia. He only lasted about a year, but I went on to do other things. And uh, last 20 years, uh, I was responsible uh, primarily when I was deputy commander, U.S. Army Pacific, I was responsible for the special ops operations over there coordinating a lot of things. Well, PSYOPs is just a part of special operations. Well, let's talk about PSYOPs and special ops a little bit. It seems to me like, I mean, so Zelensky over in the Ukraine, you've got all this corruption involving the Bidens. You've got Nancy Pelosi's son on that same board as Hunter Biden. You've got Whitey Bulger's nephew. You've got J John Kerry's son. Uh, Ukraine seems to be a hotbed of U.S. corruption and kind of everybody's little uh, money pit. Uh, you know what I mean? And so the, then you've got this guy who's a comedian and a TV star gets elected over in Ukraine at the same time as a TV star and uh, international playboy Donald John Trump gets elected. Uh, does this have all the elements of a psyop in your opinion? Because that's what it looks like to me. I don't believe in coincidence. I mean, guys like... Uh, Steve Pachinik. Did you ever work with Steve Pachinik, sir? Uh, rings a bell, but I don't know. I don't yeah, remember okay. that. Because he had warned the Obama administration several times, very publicly on a few radio shows, that they had ran overthrows of governments in other countries, and it wouldn't be that hard to do it in the United States. Now, our mutual friend, Dr. Jerome Corsi, who I've interviewed several times, told me flat out that uh, he was approached by individuals during Obama's first term that told him that they were, there was going to be a military coup in the U.S. Uh, later on, they came back and said they decided that the country would burn down if that happened, but they were going to do it through the ballot box, and they had their candidate picked. Along came Donald John Trump. That sounds like a PSYOP. <laughs> what can you say about that, sir? <laughs> 
Well, we've got to remember psychological operations uh, are stra- strategic and tactical. For example, World War II, when Eisenhower fainted to the north uh, that they were going to go into Calais, but uh, they actually went south uh, into Normandy. Now, that was a strategic psychological operation against the, the Nazis. But when you break psyops down, strategic tactical, we also have black psyops and white psyops. White being you tell the truth to influence the population. Hearts and minds. Black, yeah. And black psyops is really a deception operations or feints that we call it, F-E-I-N-T-S, uh, in the military. Uh, loudspeakers, uh, leaflets, that's all part of the propaganda that have been used for uh, centuries. Uh, especially leaflets influencing a population to vote or to go s- or conduct some kind of a uh, uprising. Uh, but it's very critical. Uh, today, uh, by the way, Mike, we call it information warfare or information management rather than psyops. They don't want to use the psyops term in America anymore. Right, kind of like, uh, you know, a crude version that would be Tokyo Rose. You're not going home to your girlfriend, G.I. Joe. Or the Germans, right? The Statue of Liberty is kaput, right? It's just a lot more sophisticated <laughs> now, and everybody can look at their phone and engage in a psyop. I mean, that's how easy it would be. Yeah, well, look at the the leak in the media. Uh, they're participating in psyops, trying to influence the population or a culture. Oh, and when and- they leak fake news, when they leak fake news, what's that all about, right? Exactly. Well, and they're very successful. I talk to people all the time that just like a trained seal regurgitate whatever the six o'clock news said the night before, even if it completely contradicts what they said, you know, less than 24 hours earlier. I mean, it's powerful. It actually works. But I mean, America's different. It's not like the days of Walter Cronkite and, you know, America's dad and and the, the landscape has changed. What can you say about that? We've got about one minute left, sir. Well, the biggest impact, of course, has been the Internet. Yeah. Facebook, social media, the ability to instantaneously get information out to an audience. Instantaneously. Seconds you can get. I can put something on the Internet right now in five words and get it out over my distribution system. But uh, previously, what did we depend on? Radio, then when TV came in in the late 40s. Uh, and then, of course... Uh, uh, other media operations uh, have changed so much now that it's uh, instantaneous fake news, instantaneous news that is true. Uh, so that's that's the biggest change, Mike. Right. Now, okay, listen, I, I'm not a Q guy, but a million people are asking me about Q, and that was what went the furthest with our last show. Uh, in the dying seconds that we have, can you say anything about Q being a white hat psychological operation? Yeah, it is a, a white hat. It is a white uh, information system that uh, uh, gathers information, intelligence, and puts it out through uh, a distribution that's called QAnon. And uh, uh, as we can see, most of the reports that come in from Q are very valid. Uh, the only thing they've been off on a little bit is when Attorney General Barr is going to come out with indictments, and the word was put out for the Red October to be uh, – uh, October 18th. Well, that's since been delayed. So we're all standing by uh, for these from the Attorney General of the United States regarding the Russian collusion and the silent clue, uh, 
silent coup against uh, President Trump. General Vallely, thank you so much for coming on the show. We've got to let you go. We have absolutely no time left. Well, there you go, everybody. Q news from General Vallely and the science of psychological operations, where we stand with Russia, the Ukraine, and uh, Syria. Thanks for listening to American Ock Radio. We're live on the Mojo 5 Radio Network every day from 1 to 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. Have a great day, and thanks for all your support. American Ock Radio. This is the seditious, rabble-rousing, liberty-loving, home of fun, entertaining, and compelling talk. Mojo Five-O.